You are listening to the East Point Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church that exists to glorify God as a gospel community that is growing in faith and reaching the world. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged and challenged by today's sermon. What's going on, East Point Church? How you guys doing? Man, you guys look good today. What are you guys doing, huh? Is it the snow? I'm picking up this, like, there's just a glow among the congregation. You guys look beautiful, beautiful. Dudes, you look beautiful. I love it. Well, good to be with you guys. Again, my name is Sam, and uh, not only do I get to serve as the lead pastor here, but every week I get to stand right here, and I get to open up this book. And so let me introduce you to it. This is called The Bible. Uh, you may have heard of it, but, but maybe you don't really get it. Like, you know, oh, I know of the Bible, but, but you got to get this. This is not just a book. This is not just like a textbook. This is not just like I want to be a a cultured, well-educated individual, so I'm going to study a little bit of this. We believe that every time we open this book, God actually speaks to us. Like we literally believe that we come in here saying, man, here's where I'm at in my life. And when we apply ourselves and open up this book, God, through this inspired word, will speak to us. He will speak to us on every page. And the, the result is not simply information it's transformation. We believe that when God speaks, things come into existence. Galaxies, planets, humans, right? He speaks things into existence. And so when he speaks, what we do in these moments is sacred. It's holy. This is like, there is a pregnancy right now, not in your womb, but in the room. There is just a a sense of anticipation and expectation because every week we come and we say, God, talk to me. God, speak to me. And friends, today is no different. Are you ready? Go ahead and open up your Bibles to the book of Philippians. If you're using one of ours, we're on page 980. If you do not own a Bible, steal that blue and white one. How's that for you, right? He told me to steal the Bible. I'm kidding. It's, your, it's our gift. Take the Bible. We would love for you to have that. And uh, we're continuing our journey through the book of Philippians. Okay, so we're on a journey where we're going to go every week, verse by verse, section by section, and we're going to break down a passage of Scripture, and we're just going to say, God, talk to me, change me, transform me, teach me something. And so today is no different. I'm going to ask you to turn to chapter 1, and we're going to begin in verse 12. As we do, I'm going to tell you something you already know. We are experiencing something right now in our world that is likely the most contagious thing that we've ever faced. It's no respecter of persons, right? It doesn't matter your age, your race, your gender, your economic class. Those things don't matter. It can affect you. Every time that this is brought up, we already see its polarizing effect, right? Families are torn apart. apart. Friendships are dissolved. Lives are irreversibly altered in the wake of this global spread. And so now we've seen literally for years that effort upon effort have been made to halt the progress. There have been countless attempts to contain it, to inhibit the growth, and to stop the movement. People all over the world are trying to stop the spread. But I'm here to tell you, friends, that since the very first moment that this was unleashed into the world, it has shown to be remarkably resilient. Authorities have been boggled, and they continue to be. 
experts who claim to know, they don't really understand. Every effort to stop the spread has failed, and I believe it's going to continue to do so. There's only one thing left to conclude for anybody who's paying attention. You can't stop the spread. We can't stop it. No one can stop it. You will never stop it. All attempts are futile. And so, friends, we just need to accept the fact this morning that nothing will stop the spread of the gospel. Oh, I'm sorry. You thought I was talking about the other. No, no, no. Nothing will stop the spread of the gospel. That's the big idea this morning. And that's exactly what Paul wants us to know in these few verses. Philippians 1, starting in verse 12, look what he says. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter, they do that of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to inflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. That's God's word for East Point Church this morning. And so we take it to the top. Let's go back to verse 12, and we realize that something has happened to Paul. The Philippians, no doubt they've heard by now. Many of you in this room, you've probably heard the news already. Maybe you've seen it on the news. Paul is in prison Paul is locked up. He is in house arrest in Rome, the capital of the world. And that's a bummer because Paul was on a mission, remember? Paul had given his life to traveling all over the world to share this simple story about a man, a man named Jesus. And so everywhere he went, every city he went to, he would simply begin his story telling about a man named Jesus who showed up in Jerusalem and he was telling us how humanity was designed to live. He, he started to teach us with, with, as if one who had authority to tell us how the world was designed to work. And he continued to point out the fact that what you and me are experiencing is such a far cry from the way things were designed to be. And so when pressed on this, right, when pushed and questioned about his authority, they say, who are you to tell us these things? Who are you to speak about life and ultimate reality? And he revealed, it's because I'm the creator. I'm the designer. Jesus revealed, I am God. And so here he is, calling people back to himself, calling people back to the design and back to the creator. And this momentum is building. And more and more people are putting their faith in Jesus. And they're turning. Try, instead of being their own gods, they're now coming and following the God. And right at the apex of this movement, Jesus drops this bombshell. He says, oh, and by the way, I'm about to be betrayed and given up to death, but I don't want you to try and stop it. What? Jesus, you're crazy, man. You need some sleep. Jesus, let me just get a good meal. You'll feel better about this. He goes, no, do not try and stop it. This is actually why I came. 
I came to lay down my life as a ransom so that those who are far from me can come near to me. And as a substitute, he took his place on a cross so that those who are far can now be brought near, adopted, forgiven, redeemed, and restored. And then Paul, he's traveling, telling this story, and then he gets to the climax, and he says, and if you think that's too good to be true, if you think this guy was crazy and on something, he proved everything he ever said when he rose from the dead. <sighs> Friends, that's the message. That little story that I just told you, that's the story that Paul committed his life to traveling around. That's actually how he met the Philippians. He went and told them that story, and they came, they believed, they turned, they started following Jesus, they start gathering as a little church family, as it were. But Philippi is not special. Everywhere that this story is told, everywhere that this gospel, this message is preached, lives are being changed. Imagine you, you take a rock and you drop it. You drop a stone into a pond. You know how those ripples come, those concentric circles? Just like a stone in a pond, everywhere the gospel hits, everywhere the gospel is proclaimed and heard, there's a blast radius an increasing reach and an extending influence of life change and transformation of people experiencing his love and his forgiveness. They're being made new. They're being restored. They're brought into his family everywhere, everywhere. You see, friends, this is not just a hobby for Paul. He's not doing this for worlds traveling. He's doing this for worlds changing, for eternity shaping, this is a mission. This is exciting. And yet, we come here this morning, and we hear Paul talk about what has happened to me. He's in prison. The mission has been interrupted. People are trying to stop the spread. The momentum of this movement is halted as our traveling preacher is now locked up. The flights have been canceled. No more audiences, no more speaking engagements, no more opportunities to share this life-changing message. No more traveling, only chains. No more preaching, only prison. Can anybody empathize with Paul? Have you ever had your plans interrupted? Have you ever had a perfect plan and itinerary? Put the kibosh on it. No more traveling. No more spreading this life-changing message. And before we could even sit there, before we could even go, oh, man, this is sad. He goes, no, 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 right off the jump today. Paul wants you to know something. Right from the start, he wants us to understand that what has happened to him, this situation that he's in, has actually not stopped anything. As a matter of fact, it has really served to advance the gospel. The very thing that we thought would halt the mission, the very thing that we thought would cease progress, he says, actually, in reality, what has actually really happened, this has not stopped it, it's served it. It's not halted it, it's advanced it. And he gives us two powerful examples today. Two examples, two case and point. And as we look at these two examples, friends, you're going to realize that the very things that are intended to stop the spread actually cause it. The very thing that was intended to inhibit the progress is actually causing it to go even further. Let me use one more metaphor. 
the very thing that was designed to extinguish the flame is actually fanning the flame. In other words, what Paul wants us to know this morning is that things are not advancing in spite of the imprisonment, but because of it. What kind of movement have we gotten ourselves into, right? What kind of movement, what kind of message must this be that nothing can stop it, right? What is the nature of this message? What is so special about this mission? What else can we conclude except that nothing will stop the spread of the gospel? Nothing will stop the spread of this gospel. You see, friends, this message is so instrumental to God's rescue plan of humanity that any attempt to contain it, any attempt to put the kibosh down, it will not only fail, but it will actually be used in the hands of a sovereign God and leveraged to serve its advancement. Friends, nothing will stop the spread of the gospel. And I have two examples for you today that Paul gives us here. Look at the first one. Look what he says, his first illustration. Verse 13, so that it is become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Friends, you already know, nothing will stop the spread of the gospel. And this morning we see exhibit A, guards are hearing the gospel. Guards are hearing the gospel. Remember, no more traveling. He's on lockdown. No public meetings, no audiences. But there was this one group. There was this one, one group of, of, of people that they just seemed to be there every day. I mean, everywhere Paul turned, they were there, like constant companions, but with chains. And so you can just imagine these guards, right? The palace guards in Caesar's household, and they're sitting there at the break table, and they're playing cards and dice, and they go, Oi, get a look at the new guy, right? Because they're British in Rome, apparently. And, you know, I'm embarrassed. And so they're like, get a look at the new guy. You know, like, he doesn't look like the normal lot that's in here, right? Yeah, what do you think he did? Oh, I don't know. Let's go ask him. And they go, hey, new guy, what'd you do to get in here? Right? Ah, it's a long story. You probably don't have any time. And they're like, I said, tell me now. What did you do to get in here? And he said, well, it all started with this man named Jesus. And he went on from there. And the very people that were, that were assigned with keeping him from an audience have now just become his audience. The very people that are in charge of locking him down from preaching the gospel are hearing the gospel. Talk about a captive audience, huh, friends? Ba-doom, Come on, come on. And so you just imagine they're hearing the gospel. They're becoming the audience. Paul's imprisonment is not a speed bump keeping him from the mission field. As a matter of fact, it's a ramp that is propelling him forward and further into a brand new mission field that he may have never been to in the first place. He is having a divine opportunity here because nothing will stop the spread of the gospel. In a few weeks, we're going to get to the end of this little letter. And at the very end, look how he signs off. Look at the end of his email, as it were. Look what he says. He says, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. So he's writing this letter, right? He's pouring out his soul from jail, from house arrest. And he gets to the end and he goes, hey, all right, hey, tell your cousins. I said, hello, 
Hope your mom's doing good. Tell everybody there. I said hello, my best regards. And all of the Christians, all of the followers of Jesus who are with me, they say what up? Including those of Caesar's household. He comes to the part of the letter and he says, all of the Jesus followers who are with me, all of those who have turned and responded to the gospel, they're with me and they say hello. And who is included among their number? The very people who were in Caesar's household, the guards and all the rest of the kitchen staff and the servants, all of the people that are in the capital of the world. Not only have they heard his story, but they've responded and now they're counted among the brothers and the sisters in the family. Are you seeing this, friends? Nothing can stop the spread of the gospel. They tried to put the kibosh by putting him in prison, and all they did was bring the gospel further than it's ever been, and it penetrated the Roman capital, the empire of the world. Nothing can stop the spread of the gospel. You see, so often we're here in 2022, and, and we have our best laid plans, and we see these, our current situations that we're going through as disruptions. Interruptions, distractions from how we know things are supposed to go. I mean, I had a perfect plan and I don't know what's happening. But what this verse challenges us with today is to go, what if God is opening up new plans? What if God is designing a new strategy? What if he's opening up opportunities? What if these are not major inconveniences, but instead are sovereign opportunities? What if the people in your life, the people that you think are simply extras in your scene, you know what I'm talking about? They're just extras, blurry-faced background characters who are just taking up space for the main character. What if those people are actually key characters? What if those are the very people that God put into this scene right now in your situation because he wants to expose them to your influence for Jesus? What if these interruptions, friends, are actually serving to advance the gospel, increasing the blast radius of the gospel and the influence of your life. You see, when we remember that nothing will stop the spread of the gospel, we will see them as sovereign opportunities, not major inconveniences. Nothing will stop the spread of the gospel. Have you heard, by the way, nothing will stop the spread of the gospel? Have I said that part already? Because it's true, nothing will stop the spread of the gospel. Not chains, not prison guards. Look at the second example, he says. In the next verse, he says, And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter, they do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Friends, nothing will stop the spread of the gospel. Exhibit A, guards are hearing the gospel. Exhibit B, followers are proclaiming the gospel. You see, Paul, he's in prison, and yet we see that the majority of Jesus' followers, most of the brothers, they have responded to his imprisonment with an inspired courage. How many of you, right, let's say you're, you, you have an elder and you're in their, the elders' community group, 
And man, this elder's just discipling you, and he is just so committed to following Jesus, and you're in his home multiple times a week. You're learning, you're eating, you're playing. I mean, this is just like, man, I'm growing in my faith. And then you, you get the text message, and you go, what? He got locked up? For what? Whoop. Because he's a Christian. What? Where is he right now? Can I visit him? No, he's being shipped to southern Texas to await trial in 2033. And he'll be locked up until then. Well, let's just go out there and spread the news, huh? Let's go tell people the gospel. What? How many of you would be like, whoa, let's just back it off here. Let's cool it down. I'm going to take the East Point bumper sticker off my car. Let's just kind of wait until things calm down before we start being all big and bad with our faith. You know what I mean? Let's just, ooh, just calm down a little bit. Nope. We see the opposite. Paul's example his willingness to go all the way to the point of prison for the sake of the gospel, it has lit a fire in their souls. And he says they've become confident. They're confident in what they're doing. It says they are much more bold. They are more bold now than they were before his imprisonment. It says they're now preaching the gospel. They're now proclaiming Jesus without fear. Friends, when you see something like this in the scriptures, when you see something like this in history, it makes you scratch your head and you go, what in the world? That is usually the evidence of the Holy Spirit, okay? So let's just start to like become acquainted with that smell. Do you smell that scent? A little bit of crazy, a little bit of impossible, a little bit of how in the world? Yep, God's at work. Just get used to it. All through the book of Acts, you smell that, right? All through Jesus' life, you smell that. Jesus is at work in this movement, They have locked down Paul. They have him in chains. But in so doing, they have just lit a fire and unleashed countless other proclaimers of the gospel. Friends, you can't stop the spread of the gospel. You can't. Now granted, that's most of the brothers, right? How many of you know most is not all, right? Micah, did you clean your room? Most of it. Okay. All minus most equals some. So most of the brothers are fearlessly proclaiming, but look what some, that leaves some. He says, some indeed are preaching Christ from envy and rivalry. There are some people out here who see Paul's imprisonment as an opportunity for promotion. And Paul was popular. Do you know how many followers he had on his page? You know how many interactions his post got? When Paul spoke, people listened. His influence was large. His network was wide. But now he's in prison. And so all of our other aspiring influencers, all of our other aspiring teachers and preachers and proclaimers, they are seeing this as an opportunity to increase their platform. They're seeing this as an opportunity, as it were. Like if Paul had his Twitter deleted, they're going, ooh, maybe I can steal some of his followers. Maybe I can increase my platform. Maybe I can get some of the market share and fill in the vacuum that Paul's leaving by being locked up because nobody's going to hear from him for a while. You see, these are not good motives. They're preaching from envy. They're jealous of Paul. They're preaching out of a sense of rivalry. They're not looking at God and worshiping him through it. They're looking at others and trying to figure out, where do I fit on the preacher's pecking order? And so Paul calls it out. He says, let's call this for what it is. This is not godly ambition. This is not devotion or drive. He says, this is selfish ambition. This is selfish ambition. But here's the kicker. Whether or not they're proclaiming the message of Jesus out of good motives, 
whether or not they're proclaiming the message of Jesus out of bad motives, whatever their reason for proclaiming the message of Jesus, guess what they're doing? They're proclaiming the message of Jesus. And so Paul is not like you and me, right? At least I should speak for myself. If I were to see others trying to lower my reputation and increase their own platform in the midst of my suffering, I'd be like, boy, what? Right? And I would just be so concerned with my own legacy and my, my reputation because I'm fallen and I'm human and I'm arrogant. I don't know, but I, that would bug me. That would bother me. And I suspect a few of you would be bothered too, right? But here's the thing we learn. Paul is so obsessed with the spreading of the gospel, not the spreading of his own reputation, that he says one of my favorite phrases in this whole passage. He goes, what then? It's like the little emoji of, what then? So what? Like at the end of the day, from good motives or bad motives, I don't care. Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Bad motives are not enough to thwart the gospel. Bad intentions and bad actors are not enough to, to, to empty this of the power because the power is in the message, not in the messenger. You see, friends, nothing will stop the spread of the gospel. Nothing. Never has, never will. I don't care what continent you're on, I don't care what time zone you're in, nothing will stop the spread of the gospel. Nothing will stop the spread of the gospel on the eastern shore. Nothing will stop the spread of the gospel into your workplace. Nothing will stop the spread of the gospel, the increasing influence of this message of hope. Nothing will stop it in your family, in your community, in your neighborhood, in our region, in this country, and in the world. Nothing will stop the spread of the gospel. And do you know why? Do you know why this message has never been able to be contained? Do you know why everywhere that the underground church has a leader martyred, three new church plants rise in its place? Do you know why every time they lock up pastors in a storage container in Ethiopia, that more and more pastors are rising up from that tragedy? Do you know why the gospel cannot stop, be stopped, will stop? It's because God in his love has already unwaveringly set his mind and his will on the forgiveness of people like you and me. You see, friends, this message about Jesus, the one I just shared with you, that will continue to spread to every corner of the world because God has already determined in his heart to move toward, to reach out, to come near, to redeem, to forgive, to adopt people who don't deserve it. He's already made up his mind. You can't do anything to make him not love you and want you. You can't do anything. You can't be bad enough. You can't run far enough. You can't become unclean enough to make God go, not that one. God has already set his mind on the salvation, on the redemption and adoption of people. Therefore, Good luck trying to stop the message that contains the power of salvation. Good luck trying to stop that train from its tracks. Look what he says here, 1 Timothy 2.4. God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Friends, God is not a rock. This stoic, immovable force and being in the universe. No, no, the Bible speaks of God as a person. He has desires. He has wills. 
And what is his desire? He desires people to be saved. He's not indifferent. It's actually part of his nature. It's part of his character to pour out love to those who don't ever think they could have been loved. It's in his nature to come near to the unapproachable, to be approachable to those who are socially unimpressive, to those who think they have nothing to do with God. He says, that's what I'm here for. He desires all people to be saved. The gospel is unstoppable because God's love is resolute. And this gospel is the message of his salvation. Every single person who's ever heard this, Every single person who's ever just heard this simple message about Jesus, they're presented with two choices. No thanks or I want all of it. There's no middle ground. If Jesus is who he said he is, there's only two options. No thank you. I'll take my chances. I'll live life my way. Or Jesus, you are the son of God. I will follow you with every fiber of my being. And the Bible tells us that everybody who responds like the latter He moves toward them and he adopts them and he brings you into his family and he puts his Holy Spirit inside of you and he gives you a new community and he fills you with new purpose and he sets you on a new mission in this world. Everywhere it's gone, that's the result. And so nothing will stop the spread of this salvation. Not prison guards, not bad motives. That's exhibit A and B. Can I give you exhibit C? Exhibit C, nothing will stop the spread of the gospel. Exhibit C stands for cross. Look at the cross. If there was ever a moment in human history where people thought that they just halted God's salvation plan, they killed the Savior. If there was ever a moment that they thought that they halted the plan, that they put the kibosh on the rescue mission, that they successfully contained this mission, if they ever would have thought it, it would have been at the cross. They killed the Savior. They murdered the author of life. But nothing will stop the spread of the gospel. And so we see, just like he does, he didn't simply affect his plan in spite of the cross. He took it and he leveraged it and he did it because of the cross. And Jesus going to the cross, taking your spot, taking what you and me both deserved on his shoulders, and then giving us his place and what he deserved, That's how God did it. That's how God can move toward us in utmost love and compassion and mercy because he's already taken the penalty of our sins on himself. Nothing will stop the spread of the gospel. Exhibit A, B, C, and every situation in your life that can prove the same. God is passionate and he's determined to see the gospel proclaimed everywhere. And so here's my prayer this morning. May we be too. May we be Two, Jesus says that to be a disciple is to be passionate about making disciples. Jesus told his followers to go and help other people learn how to follow Jesus. To follow Jesus is to be obsessed with, to be concerned with letting others come to follow Jesus. And so here's my prayer. May we be passionate. May we be obsessed at East Point Church for the very thing about which Jesus passionately went to the cross the salvation of people, making of disciples, the advancement of the gospel, the spreading of good news, the salvation of the world. Friends, may nothing preoccupy us and distract us from this passion. May God make us more and more concerned with reaching 
the world because nothing will stop the spread of the gospel. Nothing will stop the spread of the gospel. He called us to do it. He's given us the, uh, the, the promise of victory. So may this truth inspire you this morning, church. May this truth embolden us. May it cause us to live obsessed with its advancement because nothing will stop the spread of the gospel. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this word. Thank you, Father, for the clear picture of your sovereignty that nothing will get in the way of your rescue plan for humanity. And so, Lord, would you help us in the interruptions in life, in the seeming distractions and all the things that get us hot and bothered, may we just realize, God, nothing's going to stop your plan. And so we not only submit to it, but we embrace it, God. And we rejoice and we pray that you would leverage these situations to advance the gospel of Jesus so that people would hear the good news, so that people would know that you are in heaven and that you are loving and that you are saving people. Father, I pray that people months from now would be sitting in this room that are not now and that they would be sitting there because you are sending out these people. Father, I pray that in the coming months people would be baptized, people would go public with their faith all because you have pursued them and you've reached them and you've brought them into this church family. And so, Lord, be glorified. We know that nothing will stop the spread of the gospel. And so we embrace it. We want to be passionate about it. We want to partner with you in heaven on earth for your glory. We love you, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. We want to thank you again for joining us for this week's sermon podcast. My name is Daniel, and I'm the music and creative pastor here at East Point Church. And if you were challenged, encouraged, or impacted in any way by this week's sermon, we would love to hear about it. It's your stories that encourage us and what we do, and we just want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. So you can go ahead and share with us at podcast at epeaston.com. Also, make sure that you subscribe to our channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Have a great week.